whip. I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell. So you know how to walk. You know how to dance. This is my dance space. This is your dance space. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of This Week in Salsa. And today on the show, I have my two good friends from a long time back in the salsa scene, Kathleen Matos and Michael Johnson. First, Kathleen, she and I have known each other, gosh, maybe seven or eight years. Once I started going out of town to Tampa, social, social dancing, and Kathleen currently lives in Tampa. She also is performing on the Mambo Elegancia dance team there in Tampa. Hi, Kathleen. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, welcome to the show. It's nice because we always see each other out social dancing and we dance, yeah. but we don't ever really talk. And that's kind of the thing with salsa. You, you dance, but that's it. It's weird. And we know each other for so long. I mean, like, you know, it's a it's fun community, but outside of dance, we're kind of like strangers. So this is really cool to meet up and, and chat during Yeah. The- yeah, it's fun because if if we see each other at a congress even, you know, there will be some downtime and we'll catch up, but it's not like a deep dive conversation. But yeah. if we if we were ever go after social dancing to like uh, Taco Bus or Denny's or something and sit down, then we have a lot more fun conversation. But I don't think we've ever done that. So this will yeah. be like our Denny's conversation. And speaking of Denny's and someone I've definitely shared some late night meals with is Michael the Leg Johnson. Johnson, I don't know if you still go by that moniker, but I will continue to call you that. Welcome to the show from Austin. Johnson, you are a well-known bachata dancer, as well as salsa, as well as kazomba, I believe, and you DJ in Austin, yeah? Yeah, that's right. Um, the, <laughs> nickname, the nickname definitely has become super nostalgic for me. So when I hear from my close friends, it's... Uh, no one else gets it, obviously, but I think it's hilarious. So, yeah, yeah can we here. can we briefly just tell everyone the folklore of the the moniker, the leg, where that came from? Oh, here we go. Um, yeah, so I'll try to keep it brief. Um, back when I started dancing, I guess back in two thousand and four, um, back before like the big, I guess the big movement of a chapter, I guess throughout the rest of the country. Um, lots of experimentation, lots of fun stuff in, in Gainesville, nice little small college town. And (laughs) what started out as a double dip, um, turned into a folklore of bachata that apparently still lives through the decades because we're still here. So yeah, we'll link it. We'll link it to some YouTube videos. I'm sure they're out there. We'll find them. Kathleen, have you ever danced with Johnson bachata with the leg? Do you, have you experienced this firsthand? You know, I don't know if I have. I definitely recognize you from your uh, pictures in your face, but I, mm, I don't know if we danced. I'm kind of. I thought it was funny because I, you looked familiar. I lived in Tampa for two years, and so I knew Dennis pretty well. And so okay. I heard about his, his studio. So as soon as I heard Dennis's name come up in, in Tampa, I started to make a connection. So, but yeah, it's been a couple of years. I've been out of town for about two and a half years. Now, Maybe then, yeah, but. Yeah. Well, well, we got we got these loose South connections made stronger here today, so that's awesome. <laughs> and we get some background on on the legs, so thank you for that. And let, let's just get into our topics. And first, I, I want to give a couple of studio shout-outs because, of course, we're dealing with coronavirus. Pretty much every studio across the world is closed to their typical dance classes. 
And what we're going to be doing on the show here, as long as this quarantine exists, is giving one or two shout outs to different studios across the world uh, and, and just letting you know about them if they're offering online studios or private classes. And today we're shouting out to, to two of those. The first one is uh, Linda Melodia Dance Company. They are based out of Honolulu in Hawaii. They teach salsa, bachata, lady styling, spinning. And actually for uh, this week in salsa, we're organizing an online congress. If you didn't know yet, it's called the Zoom International Salsa Congress. And Emily Hodges, who is the director there at Linda Melodia, she is going to be teaching a lady styling class at that congress. But in the meantime, they are making a, a strong effort to save their studio, of course, they are not running classes there in Honolulu, but they are still paying rent for their facilities there in Honolulu. So this is one of, I'm sure, hundreds of cases across the world in similar situations with landlords where they are on the hook for paying the, these fixed expenses. So if you want to check them out, check out their classes, very high quality online classes, you can go to hawaiisalsa101.com. You can also check out Emily's workshop at our Zoom International Salsa Congress on April 25th. The second one, I'm going to actually let, let Kathleen intro this studio because it was her, uh, her recommendation here for the show. So Kathleen, who's our second studio to highlight? Uh, the second studio, I saw this on Facebook. It's Dijon and Chloe. Um, I want to say they're based out of Chicago, but I'm not positive. I saw that they're doing an online body movement class on Saturdays for free. Um, so definitely check them out. They are worldwide famous performers, excellent teachers. I've taken some workshops from them in different congresses uh, in the past. So um, highly recommend them. Yeah. Saucy Saturday is here. Tune in 3 p.m. Central time zone. So cool. Yeah. Great. And I want to say New Orleans. Johnson, do you know where they're from? New Orleans sounds right. New yeah. Orleans. So okay. Yes, you're right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't even know why, because I recently learned about Dijon and Chloe, and I feel bad that, that I hadn't known them before, but they are, I heard about them a week or two ago. And yeah, apparently they're, they're really well known. I checked out some of their dancing. They're, they're incredible dancers. So yeah, they've been making uh, moves for a while now. So I know yeah. he was ex-military. <clears throat> I think cool. I met him on ADC about three years ago. And then, I mean, he was already an incredible dancer. And then I think, you know, when their partnership kind of linked up and they started their studio, they really kind of took off. So that's awesome. And Johnson, while we're at it, do you have a studio or a dancer you want to highlight that you've seen doing online classes that uh, that's worth a shout out? Um, I've seen quite a few. I know that, um, you know, most recently I've been plugged into um, the Kizomba world here in Austin, Texas. Um, so there's a lot of, I guess, movement with people trying to launch online classes. Uh, but I will say that the local studio here, Inspired Movement, has been going through a lot of turmoil just because they've had to change studios a couple times just in the past year. And uh, they've started to actually use, I believe, Zoom meetups now um, to kind of do hangouts locally. Um, so I think just to keep an eye out on that studio in general, because I think they are trying to get more established weekly schedule for their classes. Uh, but it's Inspired Movement in Austin. The studio director is Fabian Bustos, and he's been a staple here in the Austin community for probably about a decade. Um, and you know, his, his studio just had a couple issues with landlord changes and you know, they were actually, I think it's worked out well for them because uh, they went to a rental and have been kind of able to control their costs since they've had the transition. But just like everybody else, if your full income is coming from dance classes and in-person classes, 
the struggle is real. And I'm really hoping that at the very least, you know, no matter if you're a professional full-time dance instructor or studio owner, that you're looking into, you know, what the stimulus package is offering. Uh, talk to my mom a lot because she's a nerd on this stuff. And uh, there's a lot of free money right now. There's some loans that have the uh, option for forgiveness for small companies where if you don't lay people off, you get to keep the money. But I believe the most recent stimulus package offers more or less free loans. They tell you, like, if if you don't let go of any employees and you have meet certain qualifications, we're just going to basically forgive the grant at the yep. end of, you know, whatever time period they have set for. So yeah. there's a lot of money. There's a lot of unemployment available. I think it's $600 more a week than you would normally get in your local jurisdiction. So um, I really yeah. feel for the people who have lost jobs. You're, yeah. you're right. We, we talked about that on last week's show as well. And to, to reiterate on that, I think almost every dance instructor who runs their own studio should be looking into the PPP program, the payment paycheck protection program. And that's whether you're an independent contractor or you have your own employees, pretty much everyone who runs their own business, whether it's a corporation or independent contractor or sole proprietorship, you probably have access to money through there. It's a little tricky to get funding right now, but if you're listening to this and you haven't found a bank yet, obviously go to those you have professional business banking relationships with first. Then after that, you want to look at like cabbage.com, cabbage with a K. And uh, there are a few others that are like these online lender uh, dispersing programs where they connect you with lenders. Those are accepting applications for the PPP program right now. Uh, and, and then honestly, it's a little tough to find regular banks that are not accepting it for non-clients. So, um, but if, if you're one of those people and you're looking for some help, uh, message us, contact us. We can, we can connect you with some options. We'll link up to a few in the show notes too. So with that being said, and, and talking about online schools already, let's talk about one level higher, which is Congress season. We've been talking about this as well, but to continue with it, there are now we, we're seeing a few more Congresses pop up, which is, which is interesting and it's good. And so we have now in the rundown three Congresses that are coming up in the next two weeks. The first one I want to talk about is the Chicago Salsa and Bachata Congress. I just found out about this yesterday on Rudy Lopez of Island Touch. He had a he had a post about this, how they were bringing the Congress online. I I can't tell how much planning went in because I just heard about it two days ago. So maybe they just decided early last week, hey, let's let's throw something on virtual. But I saw it and I you know my first reaction was why not? Right, this is probably a good experiment to try and it's a from what I see here, and I'm, I'm going to share my screen here so you can see it as well. But what I see is a very quick schedule. It's uh, t- today it's happening. So by the time you're listening to this, it probably will be over. But it's uh, 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. They're doing 5 o'clock, Marcos and Lysi Salsa Partner Work. I don't know who those folks are, but the next hour is El Tigre and Bianca Bachata Work. And then seven o'clock is a talk in Alemana live, live performance. So that I think is really smart, right? Doing a live performance with Ataka and Alemana, you know, they obviously are known for their, their live performances and then doing some, some live sets there from eight to 10. Uh, Kathleen, let, let yes. me get your hot take on this. What do you think about this Congress? Are you going to, uh, are you going to check in on it? Um, do you think that you would enjoy learning through, through this platform? What, what do you think? 
So I think this is an interesting environment because normally I, I prefer learning face-to-face -face versus online, but since I am deprived of anything face-to-face, -face, as we all are, um, I think I would consider trying online just to get, you know, my salsa kick in um, since I haven't danced in over a month. Um, I would like to know how it is, um, how the money is allocated because I heard last week that it was going to charitable causes, right? Uh -huh. So is this the same format or is this going to the salsa studio owners? It looks like it says donations to you Chicago Seavoid 19 supplies. So it's nice. It's nice that they're going that direction. So yeah, yeah. So it does look like it's going to the the COVID crisis, which is great. Um, I wonder. I wonder how the artists are going to com get compensated. So one thing we're doing with our Congress is we're doing very similar. I don't know how much they're charging for this, but we're charging, for example, four dollars for a ticket, right? And that gives you access to the day's Congress. And then during each session, what we're planning on doing is promoting. Uh, a PayPal link or a Venmo link, whatever that artist wants to promote and accepting donations from everyone that's watching in for that hour. And I don't know if they're going to do something similar. That That's the model that I thought of initially. Uh, maybe there are better models out there. And that's one of the things with all these being so new, it's going to be interesting to see how these, these companies, these businesses, essentially, they balance making money with supporting a good cause and supporting their, their artists too. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. What, yeah. what, what do you think, Kathleen, if you were, if you were attending this Congress and they asked for like a donation link uh, during the, the session for Marcos, let's say, and, and Lacey, um, would you donate there? Would you think about it? Uh, would you want to like wait till the end? Like, do you like the donation model? Would you rather the cost of your ticket go partially to the artist? Um, I think it really depends how much first the ticket is. If you're doing a $4 ticket, um, that's, that's an incredible deal since it's, you know, it's online. Um, I would consider giving more if I, if I could see what charity it is and how many people would be benefiting from it. But, um, I think in these times with the economy being so uncertain, people are holding on to their money, which makes sense. But we also can't forget that, you know, these people need, um, income too. So it's important to help out your friends during this time, especially for Definitely. the cause. So yeah. Definitely. Johnson, I know you have an opinion on this. Well, you got to say it like that. You gotta put me out there. That's why I bring you on the show. You're opinionated. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think you know, she makes a very good point. I think it's similar to, you know, what you get with, um, you know, local, local events at bars where, you know, the higher your cover is, the less you can expect people to spend at the bar at the restaurant. Um, in the same sense here, you know, it's you're trying to support something to make it continue here. We're obviously talking about not only, you know, supporting, it looks like medical workers in the in the local scenes, um, but also, yeah, you're right. There are artists that, you know, are looking to make money. And my, my closest exposure to this, which I'm sure we'll get into later in the podcast, is um, I did a live stream DJ session with a bunch of North American Kizomba DJs recently, and we used the donation model for that. It's been kind of giving things away for free. And I think, again, it's all about kind of the mission statement, I think, whenever you start bringing in donations. So she's exactly right. If, you know, it's a situation where the ticket's really expensive and a lot of it's going to the organizer and a very small portion's going to like COVID support and then maybe a marginal amount's going to the artist. It kind of changes my perspective versus, you know, when artists are donating their time to, you know, 
take all donations and give them to the medical professionals in their area, I'm more likely to give a ton more because, you know, there's, I have grandparents, I have parents and, you know, I'm not taking any risks in hospitals. So um, I think she's right. It, it definitely depends on the format. It depends on, you know, the price of the tickets. It depends on, on what's, what's out there. And I think you asked earlier about, you know, what your thoughts were with this Congress and, you know, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting. I mean, I'm hoping that they did put, you know, more thought process into it. I'm not sure which, is this the event that you're looking at now for, this is your Congress. No, no, this is me getting ahead of of you, but I'm looking at the the other Congress happening next week. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is, you know, there's something to be said about being first. Um, So, you know, El Tigre is a phenomenal business person. He's the reason why we have the TSBF and all the different, you know, acronyms for the different Congresses around the country, you know, Island Touch. I think he was one of the big masterminds behind making that, that happen too. Yep. So, I mean, there's something to be said for being the first Congress, even if it's abbreviated, because that's what will stick in people's minds. Yep. So maybe a Congress down the road comes out that's better in format and has the right formula to get people involved, but you can still say that you're the first and your second iteration, you tend to have a little bit more clout. So there's definitely something yeah. to be said. Well, I, the Chicago Congress, it's going to be a mini Congress at the end of the day, right? You're talking about two workshops, you're talking about a live performance, and you're talking about a DJ set. So it's it's what a mini Congress in my mind. The next weekend, what what's up? Is it even a Congress? If it's if that's all it is, I was hoping there's more to it, but yeah, it's kind it's kind of like a, a social. It's a Friday night yeah. social. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. You know, because it was a week. We have more workshops, and it'd be like a Saturday Sunday thing. Yeah. Sure. Sure. So, so I would say the first real online Congress happening is the, this Kobe Congress, which, so these guys are really smart because they, they built this groundswell from the DJing side, which Johnson, you know, is a DJ. I mean, they have these streams going 24 seven with hour long sets on DJs. And, and then they, they had the great idea. Let's, let's do an online Congress. And they brought in, I just saw they announced, which I'm, I'm kind of jealous of. I, I want to get him for my Congress too. They got a Gia on. Do you, do you guys know Gia? No. Johnson, no? Oh, man. Yeah, this guy, he's from uh, he's from South Korea. I saw him perform at the San Francisco Salsa Pachata Congress as w- and Kazoma Congress, as well as uh, Warsaw Salsa Festival this past year. Um, so GI is his name and also, I believe, the name of his group. And uh, what he does, you should YouTube. Uh, let me see. Now, I'll, I'll YouTube him later. I'll link some stuff on the show notes. But he does like, uh, uh, what is it called? Uh, Boogaloo. So he does like Boogaloo style music and he'll do performances to Boogaloo. But you know, with Boogaloo, there's all this talking, right? And there's a lot of the, these spells of light on the instrumentals, heavy on the talking, and it's in English. And so he'll act it out with his performers and it's really creative performances that will do with the talking of the Boogaloo. And it's very smart. It's very uh, very well timed with the performers. Uh, he's he's a fantastic dancer as well. So they got him. They got Andres and Johnny Geraldo from Saucy Control, who we have coming the following week as well. But these guys, so their model, I'm pretty sure, is free. I don't I don't see any prices here. I don't see any links here. I just see looks to me like a free event, which is awesome. Facebook Live, I take it then. <laughs> They've been doing the DJ sets through Facebook Live, so I'm sure they'll continue doing that on Facebook Live. And yeah, if they have a second live stream, I guess, going on for the for the performing side, and maybe they're doing it with the donation. I bet they're doing it with some kind of donation for the instructors. Uh, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm definitely gonna I'm definitely gonna check this out. 
next weekend for sure. It, they probably have to do something free-ish if they're going to use Facebook Live. I don't know what the stipulations are with Facebook, but I know that from yeah. the DJ side, it's been a constant struggle just to keep your sets alive if you're doing remixes or if you're playing popular tracks mm -hmm. uh, because Facebook's algorithm is fairly aggressive and it seems like you know the more the more that you broadcast the more aggressive it gets we've had a lot of people get shut down so um definitely i'm, I'm kind of curious to see how that pans out from a pay perspective because if you use the platform of facebook you obviously get a larger reach but you're also kind of confined by whatever restrictions facebook decides to arbitrarily you know assign to you so yeah true well so i'm looking at the lineup here it looks like for dancing side it's uh, G Ya doing Boogaloo styling and footwork. Then we have High Freestyle with Carol and Angus from Toronto. Uh, they're doing Salsa on Two for On One Dancers. Okay, so a transition class. Then we got Alex and Susanna Mambo from Barcelona doing part. I should say Barcelona with Partner Work and Shines. Then we have Alexi Style from Guatemala doing Musicality. Samuel and Lisa from Germany doing Pachanga and Saucy Control doing Salsa Shine. So, uh, so far that's what they published. I bet they're going to be adding more is, is my guess. They've been making some announcements over the past couple of days, but yeah, I mean, this is your second model, no entry fee. I'm guessing they're taking donations. We'll, that's we'll see how cool. it goes. Yeah. This is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So this, is, this is definitely, I think, you know, we all agree. This is more of a Congress. Yep. Yes. You can yep. be like, when I, when I thought of like online congresses, I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be great. I'm going to get to see people from all over the world where, you know, the Congress doesn't have overhead to fly them in and house them. They can just, you know, log on to a, a Zoom meeting or whatever, whatever platform they're going to use in this case, Facebook Live. And so there's a huge advantage to that, that, that like I'm thinking, all right, I need to find a COVID buddy. I need to say who's been quarantined for 14 days. I have like rations of toilet paper and you know, food in my fridge that I can feed you with in exchange for a dance partner. Um, and then you basically park in front of your TV for the next, you know, 72 hours and just dance. Um, <laughs> versus like calling it a Congress and saying, hey, we're going to do three things and it ends at midnight. You know, I mean, at the very least, you know, if you're going to do a Congress and call it a Congress, you should have a 24 hour marathon of, of DJs from all over the world that you keep music going, you know? So, yeah. It's really yeah, the it, but but the Congress. Why do people go to the Congress? They go, I go for the social dancing. I go for the connection. Yes, I do go for the workshops, but I would not say the number one reason I go is for the workshops, right? And the let, let me put it this way: the two things offered to these Congresses are workshops and live music, right? And those well, two are, are, are wait, what's like, up? Some people like performances too, man. So. Well, well, no, 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 no. Let, let me finish. So the, the two things that these online congresses, both of them, and including ours, are, are offering is one, workshops, two, live music, right? Those are, those are the things. I put those on the second tier of why I go to a congress. First tier why I go to a congress, meeting people, social dancing. Like those mm -hmm. are the top two reasons I go, which are not things I can get here. That's my number two, social dancing. My number one is workshops. Okay. Because we have Tampa, we have we have great uh, instructors here. Um, but after you're in the scene for years, there's you get burnt out of the same material. So Congress is I love because people from all over the world 
come and, and show what they are the strongest in. So that's really, I get a get kick out of it, you know? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Go, go ahead, Johnson. Uh, I mean, I don't know how, I'm hoping things have changed for the better. I've seen a lot more instructors come onto the scene in Tampa, but Tampa is also a very local scene when it comes to instructors. Like I feel like, and this is not a negative at all because this happens in most scenes. And I know Rob and I were just super spoiled to have um, you know the people in Gainesville that were insanely motivated and sleep deprived and still somehow managed to get like PhDs and also dance all the time. <laughs> I don't know how we did it. I think I killed many brain cells from it. But um, you know, I think Tampa is more of a, a local scene and it's focused more on like I don't want to say the casual learner, but there's not as many instructors who I think are focused on let me take all my revenue and go travel and like take privates and I'm going to bring that back to the scene. A lot of it is I want to teach locally. I want to contribute to my local scene and I want to have fun, which is one thing I loved about Tampa because there were so many fun like pool party socials and Sunday afternoon socials that Tato did and stuff like that. Um, but again, I think that kind of, she's a hundred percent right. If you're in a scene that's very, you know, locally focused and you go to a Congress I and mean, we've talked about this, Rob, you know, you go to a, a Congress and all of a sudden, like, I thought I was good. <laughs> yeah. Just put you in your place in a motivating way. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think I even and, said this in the last podcast. It's like, you can go to a four day Congress and you can come back with six months of, you know, growth versus. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and the, the other thing about traveling in general, whether it's a Congress or if I'm traveling for business and I check out the local salsa night, it is incredible because I'm doing the same moves. But these followers at the end of the dance, you're like, you're not from around here, are you? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, because yeah. it's different moves, different yeah. different leads, things that you learn in your little city that that they don't teach elsewhere. And then you go out and poof. You're it's really there. cool when you go to a Congress and you can recognize cities like oh this is from new york oh this is from chicago like yeah it's yeah. it's neat well okay so before we we end on that the, the last congress online congress i know of that's happening is my own uh which me and rosanna are putting together here through this week in salsa and so that's happening on the 25th and i'd say the different so we're talking about the different formats the last one for us we're doing the workshops uh we are not doing live music but what we're planning on doing is actually promoting kobe basically at the end of our performances and, uh, and workshops, we're saying go to CoBeat on Facebook because they can do DJing way better than anything I can throw together. So like, why, why compete with that? And the, the one thing we're doing that's different is the performances. Uh, at least I, I say that is our plan because so far it's been a little difficult to get performers willing to do a performance in their home. Now I have some ideas for that and I'm working on it, but I think I think we have to lower our expectations a bit as as performers that I talk to. Be like, hey, you know, you should do a performance. We'll have the donation link. I'm like, no, no, I'll do a workshop. I'm like, come on, man, it'll be fun. Just be in your jammies, you know, have some fun with it. You know what I thought of was if you saw Saturday Night Live last night, or did you hear about what they did for uh -huh. Saturday Night Live? They, they did a completely Zoom show, like a completely video recorded show, and they snipped it together. And they did an SNL. It was a 30-minute SNL. And they had Trump on it, you know, Alec Baldwin, and they had all the cast members. So they figured out a, ma a way to make it work. And I think we can figure out a way to make performances work. And I think we can figure out a way to make some of these things work. So we're going to do our best to, to get it to work. It's either that or you got to bribe them with, with, like, you know, N95 masks and quotes. <laughs> hey, you know, 
Yeah, I'll, se- I'll send you. The, I'll send you the math. So I just need to get a, at least two couples on the performance. Yeah, it's my backup. But I mean, in the meantime, listen, the workshops for us are are working out well. We got Andres from Salsa Control. We got Brazil Ponce uh, said she wants to be a part of it, so she's going to be coming on board. I'm still waiting to get details on time that, and and subject for hers. Uh, we also have Shaka Brown coming in, who I love. Shaka, uh, so smooth. We also got Neri Garcia. Spe- speaking of smooth guys, mm-hmm. and uh, and a few others will be announcing here really soon too. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with the online congresses. I'm taking notes though on today's congress and next week con- next week's congress, and I'll try some different things. And I think everyone's going to learn from each other. And hopefully, as long as we're in quarantine, we continue to build on this and and try stuff out. So for sure. All right, moving on. What else we got in the rundown? It, I saw this online salsa sessions from Japan, another one of these online classes, but this looks like more of a grassroots thing. I talked last week about the interactive social dancing uh, group, and this looks to be similar to that. And yeah, I just thought it was a neat, uh, a neat example again of people in different parts of the world putting together, uh, putting together a group where people can learn from each other and, a lot of this is in Japanese, so I can't say I completely understand, but they're doing some live DJ streams. And yeah, I mean, that was cool. I guess there's not much to talk about there, though. Keep on, keep on keeping on if you're listening to this. If you think about it, though, Rob, I, well, the reality is that the you know, whatever kind of spurred all these congresses came from some sort of grassroots movement. So, mm-hmm. and they're not things that necessarily took. I mean, I was really surprised at how quickly there is a congress. I mean, we've only been in quarantine for what? Like, Two months now, a month maybe. Yeah. I, I know that we went into quarantine into May, I think, mid May. I don't know. It seems like it's been years, to be honest. But um, <clears throat> I know for me, the my first kind of exposure was through they called it. I think it was the Corona Social, where the North American Kizomba DJs. That was, that's how it was advertised. It was the Corona Social, and and I think I'm not sure if we were. One, I think we were one of the first because it was one of the first ones that I saw where it was the the DJs kind of creating a. A Congress lineup <clears throat> and then having a schedule. So it was just live music, no workshops, no nothing else. But it literally materialized from the North American DJs have like a little group chat where we're always like tossing around ideas and interacting. Someone pitched something and it was, I don't know if it was like necessarily just a joke or it was like, hey, what about this idea? And within, I think, less than 36 hours, it went from like a casual thing in a post to a whole, okay, this is what we're going to do. And within 72 hours, they had graphics, a schedule, and a Facebook group. And I think it was like that weekend or the weekend after that that everything went down. So like these things are popping up through grassroots movements of, we're bored, I miss your faces, let's do something online. And then they explode into something much bigger. So. This is, this is like fort building back when I was five years old and you're just at home in the basement building a fort out of pillows and blankets and it's a fun project and just like like that people are having fun but now we have the internet so we can have even more fun it's yeah I totally agree you, you see these things like uh, uh, they're, they're called startup weekend in the startup space and entrepreneurship and they do some similar stuff as well a, a bunch of people three five seven people they'll have an idea on Friday night and they'll turn it to a business that they launch on Sunday evening. It'll mm-hmm. just be constrained to that time period where they'll come up with graphics, branding, the business model, the working prototype, and they'll just get it out the door and see what happens. And 
it's even easier for something like this. If you have the idea, the community is so small, you can spread it, it can grow very quickly. Uh, speaking of growing very quickly, let's not forget we're quarantined. There's COVID-19. We can't really leave our homes. We can't do stuff. And I wanted to bring this up as a, as a question to pose to both of you. I'll start with you, Kathleen, because Johnson, you've been talking entirely too much. Sorry, but, but th- there are, there are strategies that have worked very well in other countries to stop the spread of coronavirus. And in South Korea, for example, and in China, they have had these contact tracking apps that have come out that are, from American standards, they are much violation of our privacy because what they do is they track your GPS or your Bluetooth, and they see whatever other devices have come within X number of feet of that. So, yeah, oh yeah, totally. I mean, they've been doing this in China for years and South Korea. I don't know if that has been a thing for a while or it's a new thing. Singapore is doing something very similar as well. So it's kind of an Asian, I've seen all the stories coming out of Asia much more so, but so with that, if, if they find that one person tests positive for coronavirus, then they can look back at their data and they can see what are all the other devices that they've pinged within the past 14 days, whenever they would have been exposed. And then you will get a notification on your device saying, hey, you need to stay home. (laughs) Don't go anywhere. So it is wonderful for for stopping the spread of coronavirus. Uh And my question, uh, Kathleen, you obviously have some thoughts on this. The first thing that I thought about, though, was if I am given the choice, Rob, listen, the United States, y'all can go back to social dancing, salsa dancing tomorrow. But you have to opt into this where we know every place that you go. We know everyone you're in contact with. Would I make that trade? And I'm going to hold my answer until the end. Kathleen, what do you think? Okay, so it's a fine, there's a fine line because um, obviously privacy is very important. However, I carry around a smart, an iPhone, right? Like a lot of people. And there is something that tracks already where you go, how many times you go, like it's in your settings and it shows you how many times you go to your work a week or, you know, whatever. So I feel like we already have some level of this happening and we may, we may not even know to what extent, um, a lot also like we have ring doorbells that you know track everybody that comes in and out of your home including yourself alexa google home all these things that listen to you so i feel like we are ready see my alexa alexa stop okay <laughs> <laughs> the safe word is echo for all of our listeners <laughs> that's right so we are already being tracked um I don't know. I feel like I would maybe consider this because I'm already being tracked so much. Yeah. What so it's like, uh, it's like, I'm a, I'm a frog in, in temp lukewarm boiling water. And what's, what's a few more degrees really going to do Sure. It? like that's yeah. 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 I, I, I do agree with you that this, a lot of our stuff is already being tracked, but it's not being tracked explicitly by the government or however an app would work. Uh, Johnson, what do you think? So, this is tough. Like you just brought up like politics, everything all in one little question. <laughs> yeah. It's this weekend salsa though. So let's be light on the politics, but no, yeah, no, I, I get it. This is a political issue. No, it's more. And I think I, I say that not to politicize. I say that people are, unfortunately, 
Yep. Um, I don't want to be a complete devil's advocate here, but I would say that in an ideal world where people acted in the self-interest, and particularly your government acted in the self-interest of everybody, I think it's a small ask because of what she said. We already give our privacy to big corporations, and if our government actually like had our best interest in mind and would give back the power, so to speak, yeah. For me personally, I would love to be able to sit down with my friends and then, to be honest, selfishly, I'd love to get a text message saying, hey, by the way, you should self-quarantine. You know, just from the standpoint that I don't go see like my grandmother, you know, my, my family, if they open up flights, I'd go see my family back in Florida. Um, but I, I would agree that, yeah, to a certain extent, it's a slippery slope because when you start opening up your app to tracking you on this, that and the other, you know, what are they going to use it for after, you know, the crisis is over? So I also think that we can do just as well without it in the sense that it's all about trust because if people stayed home for a small period of time moving forward, we would have potentially a much more controlled case. And there's a lot of news that's flying around everywhere, but I think I'm somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Um, there's a part of me that doesn't want to be tracked to that extent where, you know, they know everything about where I'm going and who I'm in contact with just from a practical purpose. But, you know, at the same time, in, in both sides are imperfect things. So I'm somewhere in the middle. and I don't really know that I have a explicit decision i think you probably have an interesting view which i'm, I'm kind of curious to hear about but um, yes and you will hear I, about I, it now yeah yeah so go ahead well okay <laughs> listen we obviously from what's his name snowden right we discovered some things about our government after 9 11 some uh privacies were lost and and also with a lot of presidents since forever there's been this presidential overreach that sets new precedents. So then it's not even so, okay. So let's take an example of, uh, of things that Trump has done in his presidency. Okay. He's shattered some norms and he's set these, these new overreach standards on, I, yeah, I guess I said I wasn't going to make this political, but now it's become political. Cheers. So, but, but, but the president makes a step like a little bit farther than the last precedent was. And it's not so much I disagree with the move that he makes. It's that given that precedent, and you look at quote unquote case law, right? With our legal framework, we look a lot as what has been done and accepted in the past to inform us on what we can do in the future, right? So if we accept something, then for the next president, they look at that and say, okay, I can get away with this plus maybe a degree further, right? And little by little, it goes down the slippery slope where by the end, we're living in 1984, right? Now, with regard to, with regard to salsa, I want to dance. I want a social dance. I want to travel. I do not want to be stuck in my home. At the same time, I, I see this as a future generation issue. I do not want my children to grow up in a society that I do not recognize in a society like in 1984, where there is extreme government overreach. I will call out China as an example of what I don't want to see. If I were a policymaker, if I had any control at all, what I would say is bring on the app, bring on the contact tracker that everyone has to be a part of, but it has to have a kill switch. And what I mean by that is give it let it be on the books for two years, right? That's 24 months. That should be enough time for a vaccine. After 24 months, it defaults to getting destroyed, right? That 
that framework, that legal framework that let the government track all of our contacts disappears after 24 months. What I don't want is that to stick around after this crisis is over. So the government has that power in the future to do other things with. That's my only ask. If we can do that, I am totally cool with it. I'm even totally cool with literally like legally being bound to stay in my home if I come up as a positive for X number of days. I'm actually even okay with that. You know, it's in the, in the short time you're just talking about it, I think there's, you kind of have two ways that I could see you doing it. One is practical, one's impractical, but gives you a bit more protection. But the practical way is, as she said, you know, we, we already have a point where we give away tons of our information as it is, and there are privacy laws that have to be held, and I kind of feel comfortable with those because we've kind of just become accustomed to them. So if it was a third-party company that allowed you to download an app on your phone, and then I could delete that app and all the permissions associated, I think that's a practical middle ground, which I'm sure that would need to be worked out. Um, the impractical protected side is you basically issue everyone in America a pager, which is a GPS tracking pager. It's a third party piece of device that you have on you during this time. But granted, the problem is that will people do it? But let's just say people would actually carry that around. I feel much more comfortable with that. You send me a little thing in the mail and I, you know, put it in my wallet and it tracks where I'm at and everything else. And then whenever I'm done with COVID or the time frame is expired, I throw it away. But, you know, yeah. we're, we're limited by human behavior on both sides of the argument, I think. And I, I kind of am in agreement with you, Rob, in the sense that you give them something on your phone and then somebody in the government decides to root it and then download some malware on your phone. And then now they have constant access to your GPS location. It just kind of changes, changes the game, I think, is what you're trying to get at, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and it also comes down to our society. We're a freedom-loving society, which hurts us in situations like this because we don't want to stay in our homes. Screw it, right? But you look at Germany, and they tend to follow their government's rules a lot closer than Americans do. And they're not having as much of a problem with this COVID outbreak as other European countries. Same thing in Asia. They tend to follow their government rules more so than Western societies. So it, it just comes down to what kind of society we live in and, and how to best mitigate in that case. Um, okay, so a, a bit lighter, but not by much. Do we wear masks while social dancing? Yes or no? No. Johnson? And wait, if you see someone dancing with a mask while social dancing, do you assume they're sick? Or do you assume they're just taking precautions for everyone's health? Today, I assume they're taking precautions. In the past, I would assume they were sick. What about Christmas time this year? <laughs> the pool, what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, we'll see. I mean, I, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what's going to look like Christmas time. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like I, I hear mixed things. I know some masks work better than others. I hear that sometimes masks only prevent you from spreading and not from receiving. Uh, so I'm not 100% on the whole mask thing. Um, I just feel like if you're out social dancing and you're out touching people, then a mask is probably overkill. I, yeah. Um, I would I would rather dance in a wool sweater than hmm. dance with a mask on my face. <laughs> I'll I'll tell you, I'll tell you it's if it comes to that, I'll still I'll do it. I'll uh -huh. do it, but I really don't want to do it. Um 
but everyone else can do it. That's fine if they want to. I'm not going to stop. The future is going to be testing too, because like I think, for example, I watched the the Netflix documentary Pandemic, which is all about the flu, and then we'll deal with the flu. I know the flu has testing now that I think is relatively short timing. Um, and I could see, I mean, if things are still pretty bad here and, you know, six months from now and they had a test that would allow in like say two or three hours for you to be verified as not having COVID or something like that. Yeah. To be honest, that's where I think I'd be willing to take the risk um, in a lot of ways where it's like, if I could. Show you, if yeah. I could sorry. Show you, sorry. Keep, keep going. I'm just getting this video <laughs> queued up. If there was a Congress where they say there's like, say there's a test that could give me results with 99% accuracy within four hours, I would be totally down to get to that Congress, take a test when I check in, and then quarantine myself for 12 hours until my test results are in. And then the idea is it's a closed Congress where if you test positive, you get to leave, we refund your money, and then you move on with your life. Rapid Um, testing changes everything. Rapid yeah, testing changes everything with salsa. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I think that's like, I'm sure that's what they're working on. Yeah. I've seen this video. I saw you pull this video. Well, yeah. Let me turn this volume down a little bit because this is, uh, wait, uh, here we go. I'm going to turn this volume about half because there's some, so this is, I know the listeners can't see this, but this is at Star City. It looks like a Congress. I don't know what kind of Congress this is. But it's a row of, looks like mostly Asian women, scantily clad, and there's a line and they have the, the temperature check for their forehead, and then they give them some, some Purell to put on their hands. And it's just a row upon row of women, and it's the entry into the, the dance room. So maybe this, maybe this is it, right? As a first, first run, like, Kathleen, are you cool with this? Yeah, it's good, right? Okay, good. Guess we just won't don't have that much Purell to go around. That's that's the only problem. Um, oh, Rob, what are, what are your thoughts? Because I'm kind of because I know you've done a lot more research into this than I have. I kind of just catch what I catch. But what are your like? What would make it to kind of turn the the interview around on you? What what do you think would be needed for you to feel comfortable going to a Congress and dancing without a mask and without gloves again, where you're not in the back of your mind thinking, am I going to have COVID at the end of this Congress? Like, what would you need to feel comfortable? Hmm. One, it would have to be in a non hotspot as far as the city itself, right? It can't be increasing cases like a, like a New York or a, I don't know if Milan's still in that situation. Other than that, I, would not be too concerned for me. I would more so look ahead to is my dad's birthday next week, right? Am I going to be traveling to see family that my grandpa, right? That that's more so what I'm looking at. So I'm not concerned for myself because I'm not really in a risk group. I don't smoke. I'm not older. I don't have diabetes. I do understand that there are people without those risk factors that have been put on ventilators, but I guess that's a little bit of American in me. I'm going to take that level of risk and I feel okay, but I'm not willing to put others that I love and know through that kind of risk. So I'd be looking at what my schedule is for the next one to two weeks and consider it from there. But otherwise, I mean, I would be just dancing and be really mindful of not touching my face. I'd have some kind of sanitizer and hand wipes and 
and just do it. And my problem is a lot of my moves. I got this move. I, I took it. I was influenced by Neri Garcia for this one, but he does this move where he like takes her chin and goes like around like that. Right. Spins with the chin. Yeah. Spins with the chin. Yeah. Which like, I, I have to remember not to do that now. Right. I can't, I can't do that. I would never, never fly in a post Corona social. No way. The interesting thing is that it's also dance specific because you can, I feel, I feel way more comfortable dancing. It's not Kizomba salsa. Than Kizomba, because guess what? Kizomba has a nice little head connection. And sure. so it's like, hi, would you like to catch Corona? You should come dance Kizomba. That's basically yeah. like almost what I feel like with that. So, so yeah, like, I mean, uh, that's really fine lines because when you're dancing in a social, we're all sweaty. We're all touching each other's entire arms and our backs and our necks and all these things. So just because my forehead isn't touching your forehead doesn't mean your sweat is not all over me. <laughs> you know, so you know, it'd be interesting for you to survey people on here now and then survey them eight months when we're still on fucking lockdown. Because um, <laughs> I think a lot of people would be like, "I'm gonna risk it all, man." I'm going to risk it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, moving on, uh, I saw another dancer's copy and paste. And this one I want to pose to y'all. I thought it was an interesting question. When you first saw yourself dance, what was your impression? Mm. Do we remember? <laughs> Johnson's got a look. The double chin of disapproval. <laughs> I, I, remember, I remember my first time seeing myself dance. The first time I can remember, at least. And I actually, I showed it on my on my TED talk that I gave back in 2015. I highlighted it because I had to give an example of how bad I was beforehand. And I remember I was in this Italian jersey T-shirt and jeans, and and the first impression I actually had was not terrible, but I didn't realize I kicked my legs that much, and I had that. If some of you salsa dancers may know this. I had the the casino leg kick, but I was oh, dancing yeah. LA, right? I was doing it like boom, boom, in like in between the cross by lead, boom. And it just looked so funny. So that was that was my first impression. It was not terrible, not as bad as I thought. But uh and I, you know, was doing the same moves over and over again, but mostly just that that damn leg kick. Wow. That's yeah. a good story. I um first time I saw myself dance, so I this is my how I started. I took three weeks of salsa classes at Salsa Caliente back in 2010 um, with the goal of just doing like a little salsa performance with my awesome gay friend Juan from high school at my 17th birthday party. So I was 16 at the time. And um, the video, like we did a little, we took classes, we got some, we got creative with our little choreography choreography and I just remember how much I like flail my arms like unconsciously it was really bad um but it was cute you know and then I just stuck with it and I I don't know I my arms I'm just still not happy with my arms but that's fine <laughs> yeah I wish I didn't have these things I had the t-rex the arms I did I did this when I was dancing the t-rex that was yeah the arms are just annoying yeah but it's it was cool cute Johnson Johnson um so I think it's the, for me, it was always the issue between what I thought I looked like and what I actually look like. Yeah. And I think that in my mind, I'm like a graceful Rico Suave, like normal heighted man. 
before. I see myself dance. I look like, well, this is what I feel like. I, I feel like I look like a lanky, tall, goofy white guy. And yet, some for some reason, the ladies still like dancing with me. But I, I got, and I still to this day get incredibly self-conscious about um, how I look when I see myself dance. Similar to, I think, maybe, maybe the experience before where the first time you hear yourself on a microphone recording, you mm -hmm. sound different. You know that's you, but you sound different than what you're used to hearing. Yeah. So um, I will say that when I force myself to look in the mirror, like we were always taught back home, was I always get better though. You know, I see myself, I'm like, oh shit, I'm like slouching because I'm really tall. Like, let me let me pull the shoulders back. I feel really awkward, and then I see myself. I'm like, wow, Mike, you actually kind of look like you know what you're doing there and so wow. <laughs> through, through like the pain and suffering and self-deprecation of seeing myself dance i always get better but the pain the pain is is fearful i'm fearful of the pain of seeing myself looking awkward so that's always been my my issue from day one so got it i remember the posture videos too i was doing the lean over definitely worked a lot to improve my posture from those early videos as well that's that's something I see for a lot of beginners, especially the, the men just with the, the leaning over. And the taller you are, man, it's it's so much worse. Yeah, so. you guys hunch when you're tall. And it's such a shame because we want to dance with tall men. Sorry, I mean, Rob is a phenomenal dancer, but he's not tall, tall. So it's a different experience because tall, tall guys, they can spin you in a different way. Yeah. Um, but when you hunch, it like it kind of hinders that. So don't hunch guys that are tall, tall. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's just a, a leverage thing, right? When you're yeah. spinning oh, yeah. down, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, so it's tough for me because I don't think I've ever danced with I danced with maybe two girls in my entire life who are taller than me. Wow. Ever. How tall are you? Like six four. Are you really? <laughs> so that gives a little context to what I mean by like hunching. When I, when I have a, a follow who's like at eye level with me, it's the most awkward feeling in the world for the first half of the dance. Oh, yeah. Like, why are you up this hot? This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Well, wrapping up here, we have some memes that we've put together here. It, Kathleen, did you add a meme too? I only see two here. I think these were both ones that I had. Um, these bottom ones right here where your cursor is? <laughs> I think I put these on here too. Uh, not not these, right? Yeah. Hold on. Let me click on it. Yeah, those are those are my my dancing one with the the entry thermometer, and I have these two, and all the other ones looked about the same. Never mind then. I thought I put it on here. Okay, if you can find it, throw it on. We'll check it out. I love memes, but. The, the two that I found this week that were enjoyable to me, this uh, this first one, it was on Salsa Memes for Spicy Quarantines. And <laughs> <laughs> so what we're, what we're looking at, I'll, I'll link again, as always, but it says, uh, it's a picture of Bart Simpson and uh, Marge Simpson. And it's Marge doing this like funny breakdancing kind of movement. She, and it, there's a text with her saying, you doing online dance classes. And then Bart, looking sad left out saying non-dancing person you live with and that's that's pretty much true that's that's what we've become yeah pretty much <laughs> yeah you just gotta see marge's like the arms and the movement i don't need, i don't know what episode that's from i i know every simpsons episode i don't know what that's from so if anyone knows let me know i don't know this uh 
the second one was a cool creative uh, <laughs> creative use of Photoshop or After Effects, or I don't know what they did, but this is a perfectly choreographed uh, single man shine with... Oh, that's good. There, there are four copies, four identical copies of this guy directly behind him. So it's just five dudes in a row doing the exact same movement. It's brilliant. That, that's problematic to post because now everyone's going to expect uh, shine routines to be that clean. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what a clean shine routine looks like. Oh, <laughs> uh, this one depresses me, Kathleen. Yes. I know. The one I found today. Uh, well, why don't you describe it for us? <laughs> so it is a uh, <laughs> poor person. It's a, I think a ballerina or a ballet dancer um, in a complete hazmat suit with uh, covers on their feet, on gloves, a mask, goggles, the whole thing, and uh, on a bar, like a ballet bar, doing a pose saying, ready for dance class. So very depressing. You were going to start taking classes dressed like this. (laughs) Yeah, if you're trying to visualize it, just think of the movie Outbreak. That's that's essentially what we're looking at here, that hazmat suit. Yeah, I haven't had the guts to see that. I watched the first thirty minutes of it. And I had to turn it off. I couldn't. You know, it's not as bad as you think. Just watch it and then see what a proper response is for um, an outbreak. <laughs> I have chosen to watch the Naked Gun series instead. Naked Gun. Okay. okay. Yes, which actually stands up. I used to love that movie, and I haven't seen it in years. And we watched it over the past this weekend, and. It is phenomenal. It is so bad. It's good. The mm. comedy, Leslie Nielsen. I, anyway, nothing to do with dance. But speaking of uh, nothing at all, I did want to share one other story that I came across, which was uh, Andy Gonzalez of Fania. So I actually did not know who Andy Gonzalez was. For those who listen to a lot of Fania stuff, I'm sure you do know him. Um, but he died at the age of 69 and I believe, oh no, this was not a Corona based, uh, death. I think he just died of preexisting conditions, but I wanted to highlight a couple things on his career. So, uh, he's been for Fania for decades, gigs, recordings with, uh, Latin dance music, who's who like Tito Puente, Eddie Palmieri, Ray Barreto. Um, he played trumpeter on Afro-Cuban jazz pioneer Dizzy Gillespie's albums while he was in his 20s. Uh, he explored Afro-Cuban music, has written books, had records. Uh, looks like one of the things here, in the mid-1970s, he and his brother, the trumpet and conga player Jerry Gonzalez, hosted jam sessions in the basement of their parents' home in the Bronx that explored the folkloric roots of the then-popular salsa movement. So, old-school Salsa guy, before he was even called Salsa, uh, he passed away this week at age 69. I will link up to this in the show notes as well, uh, but it's a nice NPR piece on him, and I think they have a an audio uh, audio version of, of the story as well. So, have, Is there anyone else that, that you've seen that's passed away that you've been surprised by the coronavirus stuff or any? Thank God Tom Hanks is okay. I've been trying to avoid it, but it's just kind of depressing to see stuff like that. Yeah. I, I see people um, that post to their family members. Nobody I know personally from coronavirus uh, that passed away. Um, but I do see people contracted with it, but yeah, the deaths. I mean, well, I think it's important mm-hmm. to be close to that, you know? 
I mean, yeah. if for no other reason, just to counter all the like people who think it's hype. Because if you lose a family member, even if it seems like it's not as you know high mortality rate as other diseases, like it only takes one person in your family, and the mortality rate at that point is one hundred percent. So yeah, man, I should have ended with the meme, shouldn't I? Yes. You have. <laughs> I know I missed I missed it. I just jumped to the memes. I jumped to the memes. Yeah. Well, I, I think that that does it. This has been a very successful episode. Is there anything else that you'd like to sign off with? Any um any upcoming events or things that you see in the community? Anything that you want to talk about? Uh or any way that people want to get a hold of you? Anything at all before I say my sign off? I will put this out in the universe. Um, I know that there's a lot of workshops on body movement and shines and this and that, but I would love to see more workshops on musicality and breaking down of instruments and things like that. Since we're all home, I think it's a great platform to just learn from um, something really interesting to me. So um, if you know, there's instructors out there listening to this or students, um, I would love to hear that more. <laughs> definitely uh kathleen i think the universe has answered i'll message you offline but we have uh confer- I, i'm pretty i don't want to announce it yet on the podcast but we have someone really well known from new york who i think is gonna be teaching a musicality and instrument class cool. and so i will let you know as soon as that is confirmed but should be today or tomorrow awesome thank you yeah so the universe works quickly sometimes see look at that yeah. And Johnson, what about you? What uh, what do you want to put out into the universe? Honestly, I just hope that you know people are being safe. Um, support your local instructors and DJs. Um, I'm going to personally try to push myself uh, over the next few weeks, so keep an eye out for more content from me. Um, you can follow me on DJ Cognition at SoundCloud and on Facebook. I'm trying to become more regular and transition my software. I took a week off to actually focus on um, some personal development with my DJing. So I'm hoping I can contribute some music to your lonely afternoons and days. Um, But I think just stay safe. And, you know, I think if we work together, hopefully this will be over sooner than later. Great. And for me, I appreciate everyone coming on the, the show. And I appreciate all you listening in. If you want to learn more about This Week in Salsa, check out probably the best ways on Facebook, facebook.com slash This Week in Salsa. You can find this podcast on pretty much every podcast app known to earth. If you can't find it, let me know. I'll add it there. You can contact me directly slash Rob J. Cast, C-A-S-T, so R-O-B-J-C-A-S-T on the Twitter and on the Facebook. I guess that's on Instagram too. I don't really like Instagram, but I should really learn to, to enjoy it. And if you want to leave any feedback on the show, let me know if you want to share upcoming guests that you'd like to be on the show, or if you want to be a show, uh, a guest on the show, we will be happy to happy to have you because this, as I say, always is not about us being the most qualified dancers on earth. This is about people who enjoy the Latin dance community. And we talk about what's going on with it on a weekly basis. And that can be you or that can be a friend of yours. And with that being said, the last thing I'll mention is, again, the Zoom International Salsa Congress. We want to make this big, so we 
earn money for frontline medical workers as well as for the uh, in individual instructors. So the more people that can come, share, spread the word, you can find that on the This Week in Salsa Facebook page or look directly for the Zoom International Salsa Congress. You'll find that. That's happening on April 25th. We're going to be making some big announcements for upcoming instructors and hopefully performers as well here real soon. And with that being said, I promised last week that I would have a proper sign-off. For the past two weeks, I've just been saying I'll get a good sign-off. And I'm trying this one out. So here we go. My name is Rob Castellucci. Thank you for joining us. And even when I'm walking, I'm dancing.